Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. words ring out as the Lord speaks to Joshua. Promises extend from east to west. Other nations are set to fall. The Lord affirms, I will be with you. And then an encouragement, a command, an identity shift. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. As Joshua stands at the edge of potential, At the precipice of God's plan, his focus shifts. Not left, not right. Not my plan, but his. Not my timing, but his. Not my vision, but his. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is with me. God goes first. It's time to cross the Jordan, to occupy the land, to make the move. It's time to be courageous again. Come on. That is our theme coming out of Vision Sunday is courageous again. And we're excited for a lot of different components that we're going to be sharing with you and different things that are coming up and that we are dreaming towards. We feel like God has uh, put on our hearts and uh, our team and so many people speaking into this, and we're really thankful for that. But being courageous again is a, a big task. Still recovering from worship there. Being courageous again is a big task, and I want to speak a little bit, before we get into some of these details, uh, out of Joshua chapter 1, and give a little bit of context to this story. That's what that video was based off of, was this passage here. And here we have Joshua, and, and I'm going to read it, and it actually gives itself a little bit of context, and then we're going to dive in just for a minute here. In Joshua chapter 1, it says, after the death of Moses, so Moses was the one who had led the Israelite people out of Egypt decades prior to this, and he had taken that step and brought them into this uh, land and was promised that they would be going into this promised land, and then a few things happen uh, in the midst of that. But after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people 
to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded to you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Get your supplies ready. You know, I love this story in scripture. I love this promise that God fulfills in a way that wasn't necessarily expected, in a way that seemed daunting, in a way that seemed impossible. But I want to take you back before I talk about it just for a moment here, to Numbers chapter 13. And basically what we're doing is we're going back about four decades here, about 40 years, where Moses, as I said, has led the people uh, out of Egypt and they're now in the wilderness, they're now in the desert. And what we have happened here in, in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord said to Moses, so Moses is in charge here, he is leading the way, and this is what Lord, the Lord says to him, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So this is the same group of people, right? The Israelite nation. And so then it lists off the different uh, men that were going. And when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev onto the hill country and see what the land is like. So it's go check it out, see what's going on there, see what the land is like. So they went up through all of these different places and, and looked at it. Then they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. So these, these uh, men had gone into this promised land, the same land that's being talked about when Joshua is just at the start of it. And this is what he, they say to them. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here, it, it, here is its fruit. But the people who live there, so this, the first report is it is amazing. Here's its fruit. It flows with milk and honey. It's incredible. But... But, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And then he goes through and talks about more. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. And what we see is this bad report spreads and people become fearful and people become nervous and they retreat back and they, they lose the faith in possibility. It says, once this has happened, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Je Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And what do we see happen? They're afraid of them. What we see take place then is this people group spend 40 years wandering around the desert, without much aim, without much ability, 
a lot of ups and downs, a lot of things happened. And that generation that had the opportunity to walk into the promised land that God had promised them never gets to cross over. Moses dies and Joshua becomes the leader. One of those 12 who had gone through, one of them who had said, we can do this. God is with us. We can actually go in. He gets to lead the people in. And he says, get your supplies ready. It's time to go. You see, I think the incredible thing about this when we look at vision is that we have a church history, a very short church history, really. Not even six years old as Slate Church. And we have seen incredible things. We've seen God do miraculous things. The fact that we own a building, and that was so much around last year's vision and heart for the house, that God would give us that space and really do the miraculous. Like we, uh, I think we know that collectively as people right now living in Waterloo Region, but it is miraculous that we would own a building in the middle of Kitchener in a central location that we can be operating out of, that we can have um, our community involved in all of these things. It's the miraculous. God did the miraculous. And what does it look like for us to be courageous again and not miss the opportunity that God is giving us now? You see, we've got to realize with the Israelite people, God did the miraculous. He split the sea. Like they walked through on dry ground out of Egypt as the chariots and the Egyptian soldiers are coming after them and going, we are going to surely die. What the heck? We're coming out of this place of slavery. God splits the sea. They walk through on dry ground. And he takes out their enemies behind them. And they get to this space. And I believe, I would think, that you would be on such a high at this point. That you would be at a place where you would have so much faith that God could do absolutely anything. That when all of a sudden this report comes back, and they're like, it is good. The land is good. God has promised that that we are going to be able to take this land. That they would be going, it doesn't matter who is on the other side of this. And what we're about to face on the other side God is with us, so we can do this. Like, not in our strength, of course, but with God with us, we can do this. We can walk through this. But what happens? Fear, dissent, challenges, hold them back. And that entire generation missed the opportunity for what God would have for them on the other side of the Jordan. It wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't going to be simple. But what a missed opportunity for that generation and for those people. And I think that my... my The cry of our hearts here today and and of mine here as I'm talking is that we wouldn't miss the next opportunity that God has for us. And I'm excited for what it is, and I think that it's going to expand and evolve over time. But what does it look like for us as a church to be courageous again going into this Heart for the House season to see what God would do, to see what it looks like? There's challenges, there's difficulties, there's there's high needs coming into this vision season and this Heart for the House season. But what does it look like for us to say, hey, what God has ahead of us is so good. And if he is in it, which we firmly believe that he is, if he is in it, it's okay. Whatever happens is okay. What does it look like for us to lean into that and be courageous again? Yeah, there's always a difficult uh, nature when you're reading the Old Testament and you start um, interpreting and uh, for a modern context that we just read ourselves in like, hey, we're, ste- we're, on, the, we're on the foot of the, the Jordan River right now and we're asking everybody to like step over and of course, like we aren't, like uh, Em and I aren't Joshua and you aren't the Israelites and, but the characteristics of the story are alive and well uh, today as it was for Joshua and the Israelites. God is asking them to do something and they can either trust in what God has said and his power and his strength or they can shrink back. And you know, even for us as a church, the, the, 
call is very simple, to make disciples. And in our context, it's to make disciples of all of Ontario. And right now, in the current cultural context we find ourselves in, it seems as impossible as ever that, uh, to actually do something like that. And yet, we have reason to believe that God, in his infinite wisdom and understanding of how human nature and human civilization would evolve and just continue throughout history, wasn't mistaken when he said, go make disciples, in his understanding of what the history would look like in the context we were called to do that in. In fact, Jesus spends like vast uh, teaching times with his disciples, warning them of all the trials and the hardships they're going to run into as they actually fulfill this calling, as they reach out and, and try to live out this calling of making disciples. And he's not like, hey, like, you're going to run into difficult things, and when you run into them, like, that's probably the time where you're going to, you know, maybe maybe forget what I said about making disciples and go do something else. Like, like just hide away with your family and just listen to, like, I was going to pick on adventures and odysseys for a minute, but like, those are actually really good, really good. But like, just like hide away, just do your own thing. Like, don't worry about the world. And, uh, no, like God is saying, no, go out, be persecuted. If it takes martyrdom, do that, but go and make disciples. No matter what context we find ourselves in, the call has always been the same. Go make disciples. And what we're being called to right now as a church is to, um, be courageous again. Now, the reason we believe that um, we're being called to be courageous again as a church is in many ways that's what em and i have been having to live through behind the scenes for the last number of months you know there's been a lot of things that em and i have been uh working on and even myself in particular just long nights uh long meetings lots of board meetings not just with our board but also with other boards of other organizations trying to be courageous behind the scenes and and even though the timelines of some of those announcements don't line up with this morning, in reality, what we have felt on our spirits is what God has been calling us to as a family over the last six months, he's calling our church into over the next year, which is to join us in being courageous in some of the things that God is bringing across our, our path right now and some of the things that he wants us to do. And so we're going to go into some of those specifics in just a moment. Um, and before we go there, Heart for the House, for those of us that haven't been a part of it before, Heart for the House is this interesting season where we give above and beyond our regular giving to all that God uh, is doing through our church. Now, there's always questions about, like, what, where does the money go? And it's like, well, it goes to the vision of Slate Church. We, one thing that we have made sure we don't narrow ourselves into as a church early on is we don't give to specific funds in our church so that we don't lock away money. There are Many churches in our city right now, and, and you guys know I, I, we pray for churches. We have told people that haven't tithed to our church to first tithe to other churches in our city for two months so that they can see that we're not trying to get people to tithe for our own benefit. You know that we pray for all the churches in our cities. This isn't against them. But there's a number of churches in our city right now that have in the past done things like building funds, and because they haven't actually raised enough money or actually built that building, that money is still locked away in funds that they can't touch. Likewise, for other initiatives and whatnot. And so for us as a church, Heart for the House is a time where we give above and beyond to just what God is going to do next in our church. You're going to hear a bunch of stuff, and that's likely where the finances are going to go towards because it's above and beyond. But some of this stuff is in flux, and decisions change. And in one meeting, uh, something can hit, and it changes everything, and we don't want to lock ourselves down. But in this season of giving above and beyond, what we're asking is for everybody to pray over the next month about what God would have you give or your family give um, above, above, uh, above and beyond, I keep saying that, above and beyond your regular giving. Um, for context, because some people, as you go through it this next month with us, you're going to be like, oh, like I can, I, you know, I, I, I can give above and beyond. And you might not understand the scope. Like what we're asking for is not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. And what does this mean? Well, in this past year, 
we had a number of people contribute. We had our highest number last year of unique givers uh, to our Heart for the House. And people gave anywhere from a dollar to $100,000 uh, as a family unit or as individuals in one single giving this past year. We had a lot of gifts between the range of like two and two and a half and five hundred, uh, five hundred, five thousand dollars. We had a lot of gifts that were uh, about ten thousand, and we had a few that were actually uh, significantly over that. And as a church, what we're doing is we're just asking everybody to seek your own hearts through the season. As you're hearing the vision, as you're praying as a family, as you receive a card on the way home uh, today, as you leave the door, we're asking you to pray over this, to ask God, what would you have us do in this season to contribute to what you're up to? And so before we go any further, before we get into specifics, we'll, we're just going to ask that you turn your attention to the screen again uh, just for a, um, uh, a wonderful kind of encapsulation about where we are as a church right now. I remember when two young pastors caught a vision for young adults in Waterloo Region and led a thriving young adults church called the Embassy. I remember the courage that it took for them to shut down this thriving church because they knew that God was calling them to more. God was calling them to plant an intergenerational church. I remember finishing university and thinking through what my options were going to be, fully thinking I was going to stay in the GTA after this. But I remember God telling me that I was supposed to stay here and be a part of Planting Slate Church. Even though it didn't make any sense career-wise or education-wise, I knew that God had a reason for me to be here. I remember our first heart for the house as the embassy as we were looking to plant Slate Church. I remember just that feeling in the air of excitement and sitting outside of the room where they were counting the offering just so that we could be the first ones to hear how much our church had given. I remember that when we heard that we had given $95,000 as young adults, that we praised God, but we also took some time to pray that God would help us to steward these finances well. I remember the group of 30 people that met in Pastor Brandon and Emma's basement, worshiping, praying, and preparing for what God was going to do through Slate Church. I remember that group grew, and as we headed into Launch Sunday, we saw so many people come out to our first service that there actually wasn't enough room in the space to the point where we had to ask volunteers to actually leave the service. I remember sitting on the parking lot floor of Maxwell's with the rest of the volunteers just reflecting on what God was doing in the room and how thankful we were that we were a part of it. I remember our first morning services as a church and seeing all of these new faces that would later become familiar faces. I remember compiling a list of over 80 venues across our region and starting to call them and inquire about what it would look like to have services there. I remember moving around our morning services as a church so that we could find a space that we would be better for our growing kids ministry and the number of families that were joining our church. I remember the courage that it took for us within the first year of being in a church to launch our Elmira location. I remember driving around with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Nate in Pastor Brandon's you know, old van, and we were just looking for spaces to lease as a church. We would pull up to a spot, look at the sign, and just get on the phone with the leasing agent right then and there because we were just so believing that God was going to place us in a building as a church sometime. I remember our first L conference. I remember 
the amount of sacrifice that it took from so many people to put on this conference, whether it was people in the office doing late nights trying to work out some lighting and production systems, or people who served on hosts throughout the weekend. But it was all worth it when I saw all of the women, hundreds of women coming together to worship God, learn more about who he is, and also build these beautiful, flourishing relationships that are growing to this day. I remember our last worship night before the pandemic, I just remember there was a sense in the air that it just couldn't get any better. But then that Sunday, everything changed. I remember pivoting as a church because we wanted to see people far from God come into relationship with him no matter what the cost. I remember us learning new skills, dropping equipment off at different people's houses, building an entire studio in Maxwell's, all so that we could see more people come into relationship with God. Here we are now with a church made of multiple generations who are making disciples of all of Ontario together. Here we are now with around 500 people in our locals who are learning and walking in the ways of Jesus. Here we are now with services in Landmark, our morning services that have incredible kids spaces and seeing our families grow and thrive there. Here we are now with evening services at Maxwell's that sees hundreds of young adults come out at a time where people say that young adults don't want to come to church. Here we are now purchasing our first building as a church, a building that we prayed and believed and dreamed for, a place of ministry not just for us as a church, but for Emmanuel Bible College, for the community around us. Here we are now in a space that was a beacon of revival in our region, asking God that he would continue to do more. Here we are now seeing people make decisions to follow Jesus consistently across our services at a time when that's not common. Here we are now seeing disciples making disciples all across our church. Here we are now asking, what if? What if the next five years will be greater than the last five? What if there are more people for us to reach in Waterloo Region and in Ontario? What if God is calling us to take more ground? What if God is calling us to more? What if God is calling us to be courageous again? Okay. Um, I wasn't expecting to get so emotional. We have seen the video. <laughs> We're just yeah. like bawling like babies over there. I, yeah. Some of you know the toll it takes, but some of you aren't aware of the toll it just takes on, on a church, on a family, um, on us as individuals to just stay. Um, it feels like it's been a lot longer than five years. <laughs> God has done a lot in a short amount of time. And for those of you that have joined over the last year, the great thing is that you've already been a part of 20% of our church's history. <laughs> And so you might be feeling like left out, like, oh man, we are just getting started. God is just getting started in what he is writing through our church. And um, this church has never been about Emma and I. It's all about, um, it's always been about how do we get on board with what God is up to in our region. And, um, you know, as much as we strive to make disciples of all of Ontario, that's like the big, that's the big, hairy, audacious goal. Thank you, Peter Drucker, for that kind of language. 
Um, the BHAG is Make Disciples of All of Ontario. And we're going to try to do that over the course of 50 years. In some real way, though, the goal of our church is simply to have a church that is thriving and alive in 15 years from now for many of our kids in the room. Like, quite honestly, like, we want to reverse the effect of people leaving from church, going to university and questioning their faith, and we want to have kids in our church grow up and go to university sharing their faith and seeing revival on campuses because they were discipled for 20 years before they even got there. And these are ta- this is a tall order. This is why, you know, when, when I'm watching this, I'm, I'm kind of bawling my eyes out because the pressure of what that means, sometimes that we take that on as pastors in ways that we shouldn't. This is all God's. Everything we've done is God's. That building that we bought isn't really ours. It's not our church. It's God's. It's been his property for a century, and he kept it in the family, so to speak. We're really thankful for that. And in reality, all we want to do is be a part of what God wants to do in the next generation. And we are unsatisfied with a narrative that says that church is dying in North America, that God is maybe done with. He's not. He's always been for his creation. He's always been for his children. He's always been for his church. And we're willing to stand in the gap of whatever that means to make sure that we are continuing to step out in boldness with, boldness with audacious faith and all that God has for us. You know, there's a few things that have been really pressing on our heart over the last number of years that just keep taking steps towards, uh, well, they just keep growing, the, 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 the themes that God has had us on track for. A couple of those things are uh, education, uh, renewal in the church in Ontario, and just being a strong local church presence here in the region right now. Education is really interesting. You might want to tell some of the story about how we've come up upon that, but then uh, where, where, we're, where we're at with that right now. Yeah, it's so interesting because uh, a couple of years ago, we sat down in January with our uh, lead team and we were like, okay, what are some of the values? What are some of the things that as a church we want to pursue? And we wrote up on the board education, right? And we were like, okay, that sounds great. We'll see what that looks like uh, as we come about it. Uh, Little did we know that a couple months later, we would actually be buying the property of a Bible college here in the region. And then little did we know from that point that less than a year later, we would actually be taking on leadership of that Bible college and asking the questions, okay, what does that look like then uh, from that perspective? But education on, on a different note, is so significant to us as a church because we want to see people educated in the Word of God, the knowledge of God, what that looks like to live that out in their life, what it looks like to be strong in ministry, but also in any vocation that people find themselves in. And so this is a question we've been asking for a couple of years. It's intersected in interesting ways, but it also is something that we have vision for this year as well. Yeah. When we wrote down education last year, it was a result of that being on our vision board for five years in a row. And every year it just kind of stuck there and we're like, we don't really know what this means. In the middle of the pandemic, what it meant is launching something called Slate School, which uh, Pastor Nate uh, headed up with a few different individuals in our church, like Alicia Snyder and um, a a bunch of others. And uh, I don't know about those of you in the room, but there's a bunch of people in our church that have benefited from Slate School. And all that was, was online resources, online teaching to deepen our understanding of theology and that sort of thing. And that's what it meant in the middle of the pandemic. What it meant uh, later on was we (laughs) literally in January said, what if, and this was like, so Candace at the end of that video, she says, what if? Like, I remember all this, but what if? And our what if in the room last January was, uh, like two years ago, two Januarys ago, 
was what if in 50 years God had a, like a Bible college that was thriving out of our church? And we thought like, wouldn't that be amazing? We're like, well, this year, why don't we just start putting together the plans for like a, 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 a gap year? We're like, let's do that. Little did we know in two months, God would be like, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quicken up that timeline of what you're involved in. Um, good luck, you know. And, uh, and that's, that's where we're at with that. What we're excited about this year, though, um, is that we are actually working on a gap year program for people that um, don't know what to do after high school going into university. We're working on that, and right now we're not prepared to say what we're going to launch. But this year we are either going to launch a gap year program or we're going to be launching an internship program. I don't think that we have capacity for both. The gap year program, um, what we're working on right now with Emmanuel Bible College is that it would be a gap year program that we could take as a church, that anybody could take as a, as a church. It's directed, obviously, to those that are trying to figure out what they want to do um, life-wise. And that they would take this gap year program where it would both build up their understanding of uh, church and ministry and whatever else, but it would also build them up in life. And the benefit of this would be that there would be a connection to Emmanuel Baba College so that when they were to graduate this gap year program, that they would actually have credits that whoever's taking this program, credits that they can apply to whatever university or college they go to afterwards, which is a really unique thing about a gap year program. Often when we're talking about parents about gap year programs, they're going, it's a waste of life, get on, unless their parents are really supportive. It's a, you know, get on with this, it's a wait, whatever. And we actually have walked into an interesting situation where, we're, where we're, we have the opportunity to set up a program that is actually able to benefit people as they go on uh, into the rest of their career, which is really exciting, right? So it's not a wasted year, and we're not just trying to raise them up in their understanding of church, but we also just want to give practical life skills. And the thing that we've been conceptualizing behind the scenes is what does it look like to like prepare people for what it, what it means to create a budget uh, throughout their year off? What does it look like to teach people how to find good mentors in their life? What does it look like to set people up with their understanding of actually how to build a family in the first few years of their life so they're not guessing at that at every stage of their life? What does it look like to understand like where, where you should be placing your finances and all the rest? And what we hope to do is to engage our church and the Bible college in this process. And so it's something that we're working on. On the other side, we've been working on two things in tandem. We're not sure what we're, what we're going to launch first. The second one is an internship. And what's the internship? The internship is a response to the large amount of people in our church that feel a call to ministry. Do you know that there is a number of people in our church right now that are currently attending our church that have gone, hey, we want to be a part of this church, but we also want to go on into full-time ministry. And one of the things we have felt really called to is to equip those individuals to go out and either be a part of other churches or to start and plant slate churches into the future. And so one of the things that we're actually going to be also working on this year, and uh, one of these is going to be <laughs> launching this September. And uh, the reason that you're, you're like, why don't you just come and tell us which one? Well, they rely on a bunch of different factors, right? Uh, credentialing is not an easy thing. Uh, building an internship program is not an easy thing. And we're at the, the crossroads of needing to go one way or the other with it. Um, but what we want to do is we want to send out a lot of pastors in the future. And we certainly want to do that through Emmanuel Baba College. But as a church, we also want to send up people in our church that have a heart similar to the heart that we have as a church into the world that we find ourselves. So that's education, which I think is really exciting. 
I think it's really exciting that something that's been on our hearts that is sometimes for the, most of us that just attend the church, we're like, what does that mean for me? Um, and and so, honestly, sometimes I'm like, what does this mean for me? It's really cool to see how God has actually been working on this in the background. Okay. Yeah, come on. Peter, you can lead it all you want today. That's great. I love it. Okay, the second thing that we wanted to talk about, though, is this idea of renewal of the church in Ontario. Now, we mentioned this through... Uh, we're coming, we're coming like, kind of like broad, and then we're going to bring it really local to us as a church. Renewal in the church in Ontario. It is not a lie that the statistics show that there are a number of churches that are, are facing closure in the next decade. I'm meeting this week with a couple of people from the Anglican church, and this just speaks to one denomination. And they are a part of a committee that is in charge of what they're going to do with 200 Anglican churches just in the GTA in the next 10 years because they, they're, they're um, uh, believing that 200 ch Anglican churches are going to shut down in the next decade. That's just one denomination in one city, in one province in Canada over the next 10 years. What we're asking ourselves is how might God be wanting to move in Ontario in the next decade? And how can we be a part of what he wants to do? Um, do most of you know who Brent Coulter is? Brent Coulter, yeah, so we're getting some nods, some of us don't know. Brent Coulter is part of our overseer team. That's the team that Em and I are accountable to in our church. They follow up on how our marriage is doing. If we're not uh, doing well, they follow up with us. Um, if there's church discipline that's needed, they take care of that. And it's a wonderful team of pastors from other churches and people that are close to us that can walk into our lives and get really kind of into the nitty gritty to make sure that we're actually healthy. Brent Coulter has spoken at our church before, but one thing that we've been doing over the last year is we've actually been building a partnership with City Church on what it looks like to build a, um, a network in Ontario that seeks the flourishing and the renewal of the church in Ontario. And so that's something like some of us were like, that's cool. Also not something that you're going to be a part of. But it is because as we build a healthy church here, one of the things that's been happening across Ontario is Em and I get at least a pastor a week going like, can we meet up and talk about what's happening at your church? And in reality, we just aren't, like we, we can't, we, gotta, we have so many things going on that it's nearly impossible to talk to all the people that are interested in what you're a part of, what we're a part of here in Waterloo. And so what we've decided with City Church and with Brent is that we're actually going to be um, stepping into somehow resourcing churches over the next little while. And what does it look like to build a network and support pastors in Ontario as we continue um, uh, into the future? Which, again... Some of you are like, okay, that's cool. That, I'm not sure that how it impacts my family. That's great. We're going to get onto that in just a moment. But as a church, we want you to know that we are serious enough about this that we are willing to donate and, and allocate resources to make sure that pastors feel supported in Ontario as we seek the renewal of uh, the church in Ontario, which is really exciting. We can clap for that one too. That's, uh, we've, got, we've got to get as comfortable with the winds outside of our church as we do with the winds inside of our church. Okay, there is a bunch of stuff locally, and um, man, we are going to butt up right up against because we took that extra worship time, which is good because we uh, defeated the devil in we that moment. It. But uh, we needed it. <laughs> that's not theologically what happened there at all. But um, <laughs> uh, but we're going to need the next eleven minutes. Sure. Uh, let's talk. Um, I feel like we should uh, leave the the biggest for last. And again, everything is both sure and vague. Um, but let's, <laughs> but let's talk, and you're, I'm going to tell you why in just a moment, uh, but let's talk about some of the things that we're working on just as a church in this next season that will benefit just everybody in this room.
There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Why don't you start with that? I feel like if I start talking, this 11 minutes is going to dissolve in front of us. So I'm going to pass that right back to you. Yeah. Hey, one of the things that's actually amazing is that we have 500 people in locals in our church. Like that's, that's insane. And a lot, like most of them are active. Like most of the, we're, we're actively removing people from locals that aren't attending anymore. Like that's people that are actively getting involved and contributing and all that. That's phenomenal. Um, one of the things that we are committed to as a church is making sure that the, the discipleship journey for everyone in our church is balanced. What we'll see is churches, and I'm not talking about, again, I, we're not pitting ourselves against other churches. That isn't, we are literally trying to create a network to support all the other churches in Ontario. But churches and leaders are sometimes um, uh, gravitate towards one part of the discipleship journey. Sometimes we focus only on big gatherings like this, and let's just make Sundays as big as we can. Let's make events as big as we can. Let's make conferences as big as we can. Let's do all that big, big, big at the expense of individual and group discipleship, right? Um, in other, other places, it's all about just small groups. And all of a sudden, the, the, the Sunday gathering, those events, those big things, they actually start to like... Um, they actually, like, they take away, and they start to actually dissolve in front of it. And we kind of lose track of what we're supposed to be doing as a church at all. There are three big components to a discipleship journey. One is corporate gatherings. As Paul says, don't give up the habit of gathering as some, uh, don't give up gathering as some are in the habit of doing. But he says, like, contribute, get involved, do this thing. We also see with Jesus that he spent most of his time outside of the synagogue with a small group of people leading together, eating together, serving together, studying together. This is a huge component of a discipleship journey. But the third thing is you also see Jesus kind of wandering off by his own to be alone with his father. And that personal relationship with God is vitally important for every Christian in the room. As a church, we are committed to making sure that we are building every facet of our church, whether it is corporate, um, corporate experiences, uh, locals, or it's just spiritual formation. We are committed to making sure that we grow in each of these areas. But when it comes to locals, one of the things that we want to see in this next area, uh, next season, is actually contributing more, like building up leaders even more so that we can continue to expand what God is doing. We have 81 leaders in our local locals right now, which is phenomenal. And believe it or not, yeah, it's okay if like you can break up the, the flow. It's totally fine. But believe it or not, it's not enough for everybody that is joining our church right now and saying, I want to be a part of a local. Just ask my, my uh, mother and father-in-law. They're being asked weekly by new couples to join the local, which is great. And we're going to figure that out. But we need to invest in developing and raising up more leaders for our locals in this next season. Why? Because families get healthier, individuals get healthier, marriages get healthier when we are walking together in what it means to be discipled by Jesus. So that's one of the things that we're going to be doing within locals. So you might get, if you're in the room right now, there is a good chance you're going to get a tap on the shoulder in this next year and somebody's going to say, hey, do you want to lead a local? And the first response you're going to have is no way. <laughs> Why? Because your local is probably phenomenal. We need more leaders to stand up in this next year because God is... God says this. He literally says to pray for it. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray that the Father would send more workers in the harvest field. And that's great. The disciples are praying that, and then Jesus, like, literally, like, 
I don't know, a few months later, is like, ha, got you. You're the people that you've been praying for. Get out into the harvest field. You're the people that are supposed to be leading this thing. We are committed to the health of our leaders. And honestly, that's where we throw, we're going to be throwing most of our resources at because we want to make sure that the leaders in our church feel supported by our church but are encouraged to go out and do the work that the church has been called to. The purpose of a local church is to equip the saints in the work of the ministry. That is, that is biblical. That is the entire purpose of the church. And so we are committed to doing that. On a corporate gathering side, there's been a lot of talk recently about what it looks like to actually do a conference this year as a church, either for our church or for the broader church. Again, because of all the people that are looking in going, what is happening at Slate Church? Can we be a part of it or can we, what can we learn from it? And so that's another thing that we're going to be focusing on this year. Man, I feel like, like I could go on with like 10 other examples, but we got to get to worship soon. Worship team, if you haven't gathered in the vestibule, you should probably get there soon. Okay, <laughs> I am going to try. I was going to say, Look we certainly guys. didn't see 10 people walk across there at any point. Yeah, It's like, very hard to be subtle in a theater. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be subtle in a theater. Here, I'll pass this to you. It's hard to be subtle. It's hard to also just know what's going to happen with the theater. And that's that's, my tra- that was my transition. Did oh, you like you that? Did. I like that. That was good. You set me up really well. I set you up, and then you set yourself up. Yeah. It's all right. Em and I divided this, like, you take the majority of the first part, I'll take the majority of the second part, but now I'm just, like, rolling. And go, so jump go, in. Go, go, go. No, you're okay, good. Okay, um, here's the thing. <laughs> we have been in this location for a year and six months about that and it has been the most stable morning location we have had since we started as a church which is awesome can we thank even just thank god but also landmark i was so resistant to meeting in a theater because i didn't want our church to take on a consumeristic mindset of the way in which you walk into a theater a theater is designed to be all about the consumer it's like, it's literally everything is geared to make sure the consumer feels like wowed by the product. I really didn't want that for our church, but I think it's been serving us really well. Now, one of the sad parts about it being the longest venue that we've ever uh, been a part of is that it means that we transitioned to so many different venues in the years prior to that. And we are aware after contacting over 80 venues in our city that the venues and the things that are available to us as a church are very few like zero zero uh we called other churches they didn't want to they didn't want to help us out which is fine we wanted sunday morning so that makes sense like it's not like the churches in our city are bad it's just like they're like uh we're gonna do sunday mornings um we're like oh i guess you're right <laughs> it was worth a try um we have uh, contacted uh, event venues like if you go online and you try to search for a venue that we haven't contacted you won't find one because we, in one summer, had all of our interns and all of our staff calling every single venue in this city. Nothing came up but this venue. It's been great. With that said, they dropped the hammer on us that they are going to be renovating this space into the next generation for the theater over starting this week uh, for the next uh, three months, four months, that sort of thing. What that means is that in this largest theater, they're going to be reducing the seats to 50% of what's currently here. Maximum. Just got spiritual in this place. You know what? I like it, so you can keep going, but that was awesome. (laughs) No, that was awesome. So we're homeless again. 
No, the, the interesting thing is actually the yeah. timing of this, and we're trying to plow this in in like four, three minutes. The timing of this was actually, I think, a very confirming timing and a God-given timing. Because the interesting thing is that we were having conversations and made some decisions uh, about two weeks prior to this coming through to us that this was going to be happening that would would shift all of this anyways. So to me, that wasn't like a, oh, that was, it might be for a little bit, but it was actually God saying like, ah, that's the right, you, you heard me correctly. Like, I just made that clear for you. Yeah. Can we throw up a heat map? Uh, we have a heat map uh, for the screen right now. What you're gonna see in just a moment is where everybody in our church lives. And, well, kind of, because some of you haven't given us your information. Um, but if you did, you, you're somewhere on this, on this map. Um, what, you're, what you'll see here is kind of the concentration of people that uh, come to our church. There's some people like driving from Woodstock, New Hamburg, Cambridge, Guelph. We got people coming from Listowel, shout out Listowel. Um, Drayton, like everywhere, right? Obviously, you see that like hot, like heat spot right there in the middle. Uh, that's where the largest amount of uh, church uh, people from our church come from. And that's largely actually centered around the university. So when we say we're effectively reaching university students right now, you can see it like that. That's where a lot of our volunteers come from. It's it's kind of fascinating. Now, the reason we share this with you this morning is God blessed us with a building a year ago. And we never want to become the type of church that just focuses on a building. We haven't made it because we got a building. Does that make sense? Like you don't like graduate from being a church plant because you got a building. And another way to say this is the building that God brought us is not the last building that we're gonna inhabit. Why? Because part of our vision as a church is to launch other locations. And that doesn't mean like far away from us. It means our goal would be to have a church within a 20 minute driving distance of literally anybody that you see on this map. Like that's that's the goal. And so part of the building that we've been given, been given by God recently is it's one part of the story that's unfolding here at Slate Church. And one of the things that we're excited to announce is that we're actually gonna be starting renovations this summer on the building that we bought, which is really, really exciting. Now, now the reason why I'm like excited and not excited about this is because we don't know what the timeline looks like. We have a team of engineers that's on it, led by Peter Mullen, so if you have questions, you can go ask this guy. He's like, shoot, my life just got busier. Um, But here's the reality of the situation, it's live. So we thought, hey, the the auditorium, for instance, would cost about $100,000 to renovate. And then right before the service, I had somebody approach me that's on the team and they're like, so did you hear the news about the auditorium? I'm like, no. Like, so it might cost 10 times more than that. And I was like, thanks for sharing this right before Vision Sunday. Listen. We are a church that's committed to not diving ourselves into debt to just have a building that we can meet at, but it's becoming more and more of a necessity in the region that we live in. So we're both committed to renovating this space, but we are also committed to doing it over time as money comes available. What this means is that things like Heart for the House and our giving towards the church will determine the speed at which we're able to renovate the building. It will happen in phases, So there'll be some aspects of the building that we'll walk in and be like, this is amazing. Then there will be other aspects of the building that will be like, why didn't we change this? And we will say back to you, good question. When are we gonna change this? And it's gonna take a combined effort to make sure that we actually contribute to making sure that this becomes a reality. 
That said, um, we're also figuring out what the design should look like, what we should remove, what we should add. And our goal is sometime in the next six to eight months that we're actually gathering in that space as a church. And what that might mean in the interim is depending on when they renovate this theater, which there is no plan yet on this particular theater, which Landmark, if you're watching, we are praying you never do that. But it might mean us actually switching theaters at some point, getting used to the move around again. And we're okay with that because it's a seasonal thing. We have a goal and end goal in mind. And so listen, the team had something prepared that we're not gonna get to. Um, you can stick around for the 1015. You're already in the 1015 now. Yeah, you're in the 1015 right now. If you now. wanna hear the end, we'll be a little quicker. But listen, Vision Sunday is a big Sunday be because it kind of rolls out the carpet for what the rest of uh, the next three weeks are gonna look like. The next three weeks, we're gonna be talking a lot more about Heart for the House. We're gonna be talking a lot more about the vision. We're gonna be unpacking this more. And really what we're gearing up for is on May 7th for us all to return to the space and to give back um, above and beyond what God has given to us. So be praying about that. On the way out today, you're gonna to receive a card. And as you receive that card, what we're asking is that you would pray over that over the next month, three weeks, and uh, ask what God would have you or your family give to Heart for the House. Why don't we pray? We'll close it off here. Yeah. Okay. This is the latest we've it has ended to a service. Be. I know. Here's the other thing I'm looking forward to moving into a building is that we don't have to yet. do this. Yeah, that's right. We need we need a bit longer of services as a church. And we need a bigger gap between the services. Yeah, it's true. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we can come into this space and worship you and hear from you and know that you are in control and that you are good and that you are taking us to incredible places and we just stand here and we sit here collectively as a church that are choosing right now to follow and to continue stepping out even though certain things seem really big and really scary god we are choosing right now to step out in faith knowing that you want to do things not just for us in the room but for the generations to come for those babies that haven't even been born yet god for the neighbors that are walking their dogs on a Sunday morning instead of coming into church, God. For, for the people that span across this city that are desperate for hope, desperate for you, but don't even know it yet. God, we as a church are, are continuing to put that stake in the ground and saying, we are here, we are not going anywhere, and we are open to what you wanna do, and we thank you that you are using us. So we just pray over this vision, we pray over this heart for the house that's coming up. God, would you just do the miraculous? In your name, amen. Amen. Church, as you leave, we just want to say thank you to you guys that we're at this place, that we can do this and uh, bring expectant hearts to the next few weeks. We love you. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.